Bob White comes to speak to us. Psalm 126, a song of ascents. When the Lord restored the fortunes of Zion, we were like those who dreamed. Our mouths were filled with laughter, our tongues with songs of joy. Then it was said among the nations, the Lord has done great things for them. The Lord has done great things for us, and we are filled with joy. Restore our fortunes, Lord, like streams in the Negev. Those who sow with tears will reap with songs of joy. Those who go out weeping, carrying seed to sow, will return with songs of joy, carrying sheaves with them. Well, good evening, everybody. It would be lovely if you could keep that passage open in front of you uh, or on the sheet or the Bible, because we're going to be looking at that this evening. I don't know about you, but often when I'm out walking, some particular tune gets into my head and goes round and round and round for hours. Is that a common experience? I see some nods. Um, It's great, isn't it, if it's one of our Bible choruses, because it really gets it in there. Maybe not so good if it's an ABBA tune. Uh, But sometimes your steps just get in touch with it, don't they, as you walk along. Well, this psalm we're looking at today is a psalm of ascent, and it's exactly what those pilgrims going up to Jerusalem for one of those big festivals would have been singing. Sometimes it maybe took several days to get there, and so they would have sung these songs Uh, which reminded them of the history of God's people, of Israel. And it got right inside them, uh, right into their minds and their brains. So it's great that we can look at it tonight. I think it's also the reason they're quite short psalms, uh, because often when you're singing like that, you just sing the chorus, don't you? There's actually one, funnily enough, um, there's an Adrian Snell version of Psalm 126, which is one of the ones that sometimes comes into my head when I'm walking. And I think Gavin's going to play it after the end of the service, uh, so you can enjoy it too. Well, the structure of this psalm is very simple. Uh, first of all, it looks back at what God has done in the past, and then it brings us to the present of our lives in this rather difficult and broken world. And then it looks to the future of God's final restoration of what's right. I don't know if you've heard about a charity called Cambridge Past, Present and Future, uh, which seeks to uh, maintain all that's good in the past and then thinking how to hold on to that and to get things ready for the future, to benefit the future too. Uh, So I think we'll look at this psalm in the same way. Um, Cambridge Past, Present and Future. Well, verse 1, if you've got that in front of you, looks back on the fortunes of Zion. Well, Zion is shorthand for God's people. When the Lord restored the fortunes of Zion, the psalmist says, we were like those who dreamed. We don't know exactly what he was thinking of. It might have been return from exile in Babylon. It might indeed have been the, when they escaped from Egypt 
when the, the nation of Israel started properly in the first place. But as the body of God's people today, we're in succession to that tradition, and perhaps Christians would be looking back to Jesus coming to earth, to God himself coming to live amongst us, uh, and then his life, his crucifixion, and him rising again in order to restore our relationship with God. So it might have been any of those things. And although the psalmist was talking, was thinking about God's people as a whole, as that community of his people, I think it's not wrong to apply it to ourselves individually as well. Maybe we can look back on some time when we saw God working clearly in our lives or in the lives of our families. Uh, perhaps as a concrete example, in, in the case of Helen and myself, I can uh, remind us of the miracle of seeing a new child being born um, after much prayer and seemingly against all the odds. So all of us, I think, can look back on moments like that, even if they're not the continual, um, long-term, all-the-time way that we feel and feel God with us. But we can look back and feel him with us at specific times. Well, let me read the first three verses again to remind us of that looking back. When the Lord restored the fortunes of Zion, we were like those who dreamed. Our mouths were filled with laughter, our tongues with songs of joy. Then it was said amongst the nations, the Lord has done great things for them. The Lord has great, done great things for us, and we are filled with joy. They were full of laughter. They sang songs of joy as they looked back on this great time when they knew God was working in their lives. And I think a very striking thing of this, did you notice that in the second verse? It was said among the nations, those people around Israel, those people who didn't believe in God. They had various other kinds of worship of secular things and idols. And yet they said, the Lord has done great things for them. The Lord has done great things for Israel. They could see God at work in this nation. They could see him doing that. And I think that's a real encouragement to us as we seek to do God's work in our own lives. Because people do notice, just as those nations noticed what Israel was doing. And I suspect that most Christians don't actually come to faith or didn't come to faith through some carefully argued intellectual reasoning. I mean, certainly I know I didn't. Although I have to say that in the years since, uh, I know that the intellectual reasons are indeed powerful and compelling. But most people come to faith by seeing the lives of other Christians, I think. I don't know if that's your experience, but it is mine. Just by their kind words, maybe, or the way, the things they do, their attitudes, their compassion, and the way they treat other people. And that's exactly what the nations around Israel had seen. They had seen God working in that people, and they saw the way those people behaved. And they praised God for it. They said, that's what God is doing. He's done great things for them, they said. And the Israelites themselves said, the Lord has done great things for us. And of course, if God did it in the past, he can and he will do it again. So that's past. What about present? 
One of the things I, I love about the Bible is its realism. Uh, it doesn't um, pretend that things are not what they are. It's really realistic about our lives. It's realistic about our struggles in this broken world. And it doesn't pretend that life is walking on a spiritual high of joy or of, 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 of great happiness all the time. And of course, there will be people here tonight who are struggling. And that's not wrong. There's people we know who are struggling And it's not wrong because it's actually a reminder that this world is not the final word. This world is not the way things are meant to be. There is a better world waiting. And so it's not wrong to recognize that things are a struggle from time to time. Uh, And the reason they're a struggle is because this world, uh, as we heard in the prayers, it's, it's people and even the physical structure of its environment and its climate are marred by the rebellion of humans against God. And that's why we pray as we just did. We pray to God every week that your kingdom come. That's why we pray that God's will will be done on earth as it is in heaven. And the middle section of this psalm in verses 4 to 6 is just what God's people are singing about, what's going on now, and why they were asking for God to restore his rightful rule So verse 4, for instance, restore our fortunes, Lord, like streams in the Negev. Well, the Negev, in case you don't know where it is, and I didn't until I looked it up, but the Israelites would have for sure, because it's a very barren desert south of Jerusalem. Yet when there are streams, when there's rains, it suddenly will burst into flower. And I've seen the same thing happen in Iceland. Many of you know I work in Iceland, and that's a desert as well. It's a cold desert, it's nearly in the Arctic. But in the spring when the snows thaw, you get a burst of flowers right in the middle of these expanses of grey rock. It's almost unbelievable that flowers come out of nothing but ash. And yet they do. It doesn't look as if anything could survive, but they do. And that's what the Israelites are remembering. They're saying, restore our fortunes, Lord. Bring forth that beauty, that colour, that reminder of your sovereignty to gladden our hearts. Because in those most barren of places, God can burst through. And that's true whether it's the world at large or whether it's our communities or our own hearts and those of our friends and those who aren't yet Christians. That's what this psalm is proclaiming. Well, we know that Christianity has endured persecutions and despots and rise and fall of great nations who just think... Uh, since the Bible was written of the Babylonian nation, the Persian nation, the Greek nation, the Roman nations, and on and on. Yet still Christianity revives and flowers, just like the effect of these streams in the Negev. So that's what the people are praying for. But then there's a strange little section in 5 and 6. At least it reads strangely at first. So let me just read them to you. Those who sow with tears will reap with songs of joy. Those who go out weeping, carrying seed to sow, will return with songs of joy, carrying sheaves with them. Well, of course, Israel was an agricultural society. It was a subsistence society. And at least in in Britain, sowing is done in winter or early spring. And it's a tough time. It's the time of year when your food stores are beginning to run out. Um, Food is its scarcest. 
the weather, at least in the UK, is often horrible, and it's cold work, ploughing and weeding and planting. And they're remembering that. We go out to sow with tears. We go out weeping. It's tough work. But why do you think they've really emphasised in this psalm that sowing in tears, that going out in weeping? Well, I think it's talking about, because the whole thing is talking about God's people, uh, this is them talking about what it's like to be doing God's work in this broken world today. It's what it's like, we would say now, to be a Christian in a broken, fractured and sometimes hostile world. And doing Christian work can be tough, can't it? People might mock you or ridicule you. Often you don't see the fruits of your own labours. And yet, as this psalm reminds us, there is fruit to it. After the seed has been sown, the harvest will come. And that's what the psalm is reminding us of. So even if life is tough... um, Maybe in our personal lives we're going through a season of hardship when God feels far away. This psalm reminds us to look back on that time when we remember how God has loved us in the past and how he will restore us in the future. And I I think that's an amazing encouragement uh, to us because all of us do go through times like that. And of course the firm Christian hope is that there is coming a time when God will restore the world to be the way he meant it to be from the beginning, when he'll make all things new, when there'll be no more mourning or crying or struggle or sin on this earth. And so that's a real encouragement to sing this song, isn't it? Both for the body of God's people, the Christian family, and for us personally. Life might be tough now, but God is the same God, past, present and future. So let me just finish uh, with one word I want to concentrate on. And I don't know if you noticed that there's one word that comes up repeatedly. Simon mentioned it in his leading, actually. And it's that little word, joy. It comes up four times in verses 2 and 3 and 5 and 6. Sometimes associated with that laughter and uh, rejoicing. Sometimes associated with that sowing uh, the weeping from that and then the joy of reaping that harvest afterwards so joy in the past as we experience a new god's presence joy in the present as we look to the future of god's harvest and to his restoration of how he made things to be for eternity but let me say a couple of things about joy Um, joy is not the same thing as happiness right it's not the same as happiness happiness is It's a great thing, but it's shallower and it's more temporary. Whereas joy is something deeper. It's a contentment in knowing that God is in control, isn't it? It's a contentment in knowing that he's sovereign, uh, that he's sovereign over everything. He's sovereign over the nations even, when they seem to be going so astray. He's sovereign over our families He's sovereign over ourselves. And nothing that happens surprises him. And that's our security. Uh, That's our cause for trust and for true and deep joy, whatever our present circumstances. 
So we can have joy even when things are difficult, perhaps especially when things are difficult. Uh, Well, when I was preparing this, Helen reminded me recently that a good acronym for joy, which you may have heard before, is Jesus first, others second, yourself last. J-O-Y, Jesus first, others second, yourself last. That's not a bad acronym, is it, to, to live by? So let's be thankful as we look back on what God has done for us in the past. Let's remember that in the daily struggles of life in the present, that we can have the sure hope of a future restoration when God will bring all things to fruition. And this world and everybody in it will be the place and the people he always meant it to be. So I'm going to suggest, um, before I say a prayer, that we just sit quietly for a few moments. Maybe just think back to some moment or time when God seemed particularly special to you or particularly close to you in what he's done for you or your family. And quietly give thanks with confidence that he's with you right now and will remain so for the future. So let's just think about that for a few moments, then I'll say a prayer to end. We thank you, loving Heavenly Father, that you have known us from before we were born, that you have shown your love for us and for your people in so many ways in the past, and that you have promised that at the right time Jesus will return and that all sin will be cleansed from this world forever. And as we wait for that time, please help us to keep on keeping on and to live this day and this coming week in a way that pleases you. We pray this in Jesus' name. Amen.